Did you hear that? Was it the horror comedy podcast with Jake and Haley? Oh my god, it was. This podcast is for inhalation use only. And that means it's not for kids. Wow. It's been a real brain melter, folks. Thanks for tuning in. It's the Horror Comedy Podcast, and I'm your host, Haley. And it's Wednesday, which means I'm flying solo and getting high and bringing you scary stories from the internet. Thank you to Lexi for reminding me that the presidential debate was on. I couldn't look away. It was like a car crash. If you have a scary story, something as scary as the debate we all just watched, please email it to me at thehorrorcomedypodcast at gmail.com or DM it to us on Instagram at thcpodcast or send us a fucking video because we're on fucking TikTok now. THC Podcast, baby. That's right. This week I did a deep dive into the archives of 4chan on the Museum of X and I found a family scary stories thread. I picked a couple that are really fucking amazing, and at the end of this episode, I'm going to bring you a really heartwarming, tear-jerking ghost story. Let's get started. The first one I'll start with supposedly happened one night when my mom was riding around with my dad and their friends. There was a whole group of them in cars, and they decided to go drive out to some place called Mud Bridge. Her friend was obviously kind of freaked, but they all went anyway. They saw some creepy stuff, like pentagrams carved into trees and stuff, and it was kind of like a dirt road, so they were going slow. All of a sudden, a car came past them, and they were yelling something. My mom's friend and her boyfriend were in the car in front of them, so she told my dad to just keep following the headlights in front of them. Another car passes by, Same shit, people just yelling at them. This time, they heard something about turning around. But my mom didn't want to turn around and leave her friend. They were the last car, so if they turned around, they'd be bailing on their friends in front of them. So they just keep following, and the headlights just disappear. So my dad starts to slow down, and then fucking flips out and slams on the brakes. They were like a foot away from driving over the edge of what was the bridge. Then they see the headlights they were following rising up over the other side of the bridge. They turned around and saw that all their friends were waiting for them at some gas station the whole time, wondering why the fuck they didn't turn back. Yeah, what the fuck, mate? What the fuck? Okay, here's another one. This is short and sweet and really scary. (laughs) During the Great Depression, my grandfather and great aunt used to live in an old house close to a cemetery. One night, my great aunt was sleeping in bed that she shared with her sister when she heard someone calling her. From the doorway, she could see a dark figure. Come here. Elizabeth, come here. She thought it was her sister, so she called out her sister's name. And her sister sat up in bed next to her. 
How does that make you feel? How does that make you fucking feel? Makes me feel bad and afraid. As promised, here is the most wholesome ghost story I've ever heard in my life. It is sad and emotional and very wholesome and very scary. This is from actually a thread that was posted uh, today. So I know that this one probably isn't all that spooky. I could tell the paranormal bits in just a few lines, but maybe you'll bear with me. This is an event that meant a lot to me, and I want to share it. I grew up in a small house in the suburbs. It's just me, my baby sister Katie, and my parents. I love spending time with my baby sister. She's four years younger than me and basically a little sponge. So I spend a lot of time teaching her all about the shit I think is cool. She thinks I'm a superhero, basically. When I'm 12, Katie dies. I don't want to go into much detail because it's a terrible memory, but basically, it was a hit and run. I take it badly. My school grades plummet. My interest in hanging out with my friends goes out the window. I just can't fathom it. Why would God allow what happened to a sweet little girl like Katie? Why would he allow it to happen to me? My faith in God dries up. By the time I was 16, I was a certified fedora-wearing atheist, and I even bought a Richard Dawkins poster for my room. Fast forward, I'm 20 years old. I drop out of college and I move out of my parents' house. I get a job at a restaurant where I make decent tips and I can afford to live alone in the city. I'm doing pretty good, but the bitterness never leaves me. Every year, on the anniversary of her death, her smiling face pops into my head. By that point, I had stopped visiting her grave. It was just too hard. But I always spent the entire day thinking about her. She was a brave kid and she was full of energy. My parents were happy to have me around to help look after her. She was a real handful. It was my job to keep her safe. It's my fault she died. Every year I relived that same feeling. Fast forward a couple of years. I'm a trainer at the restaurant where I work. I get tasked with training a new guy named Walt. He's a young black man from Mississippi. He's real thin small and soft-spoken. I think he's way too shy to be a server here, but I train him as best as I can. His first night was a total disaster, and after one weekend, management canned him. After I get off work, I find him just sitting in his car, crying. Long story short, I invite him out for a burger, and we get to talking. He tells me about his situation. He's been living with his alcoholic mother and her dickhead boyfriend. How her boyfriend convinced his mom to kick Walt out. How he's been bouncing from job to job for about a year struggling to get by, eating maybe once a day at most. I could go on, but the point is that his story really tugs at my conscience. I don't feel right just going back to my own bullshit life after that. I invite him to crash at my place until he gets on his feet. And after a lot of hesitation, he finally agrees. Fast forward again. It's about three months later, and Walt and I are best friends. We both like movies and good food. I discovered that Walt was a great cook. 
He even used to set up all his ingredients in little bowls on the kitchen counter. Mise in place, or whatever. He'd arrange the bowls in a circle, for good luck, he'd say. I convinced him to find a kitchen job, and he did. He's been working at a nearby barbecue place for a while and is saving every cent, trying to find a place of his own. He finally finds something. I go with him to check it out. It's affordable, but kind of a lousy little place in a sketch neighborhood. But what I've learned about Walt is that he's a proud guy. And to him, that's better than leeching off me. He's set to move in next month. One night before his move, we're casually watching some movie that's on TV and shooting the shit. Walt brings up about how, when he was a kid, he had an older brother who was murdered. This was back in Jackson, Mississippi, which he said was still extremely segregated and very racist. His brother was attacked one night by some white dudes, and they killed him. His mom never got over it and started drinking heavily. Everything fell apart from here. Walt was just 10 years old when this happened. He felt like he always had to look out for himself from then on out. His mom treated him like shit. Her boyfriends all treated him like shit. And the kids in his neighborhood were not any better. They called him a pussy and a loser because he was smaller than everyone else. He used to get beat up a lot. He pauses as he's telling me this, getting choked up. This is the first time in his life that he's felt like anyone gave a shit about him, he tells me, and he wants to thank me for everything. I tell him it's no big deal and that it felt, it felt good to be able to help him. That night, I'm lying in bed and it hits me. Walt's childhood and mine are total opposites. Walt felt like it was him against the world and that nobody would ever be there for him. I always felt like I let my sister down, that my job was to protect her, and I failed. I think about this as I go to sleep. The next day, Walt moves out. Just a couple of months later, Walt's life is looking up. He's managed to fix his piece of shit car, he's dating some cute waitress who works over at the BBQ joint, and his skills in the kitchen have not gone unnoticed. Pretty soon, I'll be in charge of that thing, he told me with a big smile on his face. I congratulate him. He was standing in my doorway, looking happier than I'd ever seen him. That was the last time I saw him. Sorry for the length. I meant to avoid unnecessary details, but I kind of got caught up in it. I'll try to keep it brief from here on out. I find out the next day that Walt was killed. It was a hit and run. The words fucking echo in my head. I'm devastated. I supported Walt as much as I could, but there's a little voice in my head that wants to say, it's all your fault. But it's not. There's nothing more I could have done. I recognize for the first time that my sister's death wasn't my fault either. We were both just kids. I couldn't have known any better. I didn't see the car coming. I didn't think she'd run into the street. I didn't know what would happen. Scenes of my little sister run through my mind. This time, they don't hurt so bad. I said that was the last time I saw Walt, but that's not exactly true. 
Again, I'm trying to keep it brief. Walt's funeral comes and goes. A pastor delivers the eulogy, and I think about God for the first time in a long while. It's not fair that life is so pointless, that Walt just has to rot in the dirt after suffering so much, that I have to lose people I care about. It's not fair. A week later, I have a dream. Walt is sitting under a large tree. I tell him I miss him, and he says, why? I'm right here. The next morning, I decide to visit Walt's grave and talk to him for a little while. I leave some items I think he'd like. I put them all in a little bag the size of your fist and laid it out right there on his grave. In the distance, I notice a large tree that looks like the one from my dream, and I walk over. Not sure what I was expecting. It's not like Walt's going to pop out out of nowhere and say hello. It's not like he can hear me, but still I say, I miss you, man. Instantly, I feel a strange peace and a weird sensation. I can't explain it. It just felt like a really intense form of goosebumps, only it was pleasant. I walk back towards the cemetery gates. The strange, goosebumpy sensation hasn't gone away, and I look over at Walt's grave as I pass it. I stop. The bag of items is open, and everything is spread out over the grave. They're arranged in a circle. Mise and place. For good luck, I think. This is going to sound silly, but at that moment, a beam of sunlight suddenly streams down onto the grave. I remember Walt saying in my dream, I'm right here. And I can't explain it, but I feel his presence. I'm kind of crying at this point. I tell Walt that I'm glad he's okay. I'm glad he's in a better place. I miss my friend. I miss my sister. But I'm starting to think there's more to life than we think. You can call it coincidence. You can say it's all in my mind. You can say that life is brief and when we die, we're gone forever. But I'm sorry. I just don't believe it. <sighs> that was fucking emotional. Sorry I did that. <sighs> it's not all presidential debates and work days, I guess. That's a beautiful story. Thanks for listening, you guys. Tune in on Sunday for a full-length episode with Jake and lots of laughs and much scarier shit, maybe, possibly. I don't know. We'll let Jake be the judge. And don't forget to drink water. <laughs>